From London, we present The Retired Colour Man, a play for radio based on the short story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The Retired Colour Man. It was late one summer afternoon. I returned from my club to 221B Baker Street to find Sherlock Holmes's gaunt figure stretched in his deep chair. I recognised his melancholy and philosophic mood. <laughs> His alert, practical nature was subject to such reactions. Well, my dear Watson, did you see him? Who? Oh, the, the, the old fellow who's just gone out. Precisely. Oh, I met him at the door. What did you think of him? Well, pathetic, futile, broken creature. Exactly, Watson. Pathetic and futile. Poor chap. But is not all life pathetic and futile? Isn't his story a microcosm of the whole? We reach, we grasp, and what is left in our hands at the end? A shadow, or worse than the shadow, misery. Oh, come, Holmes. Is he one of your clients? Well, I suppose I may call him so. Well, who is he, anyway? Mr. Josiah Amberley. He says he was junior partner of Brickfall and Amberley, manufacturers of artists' materials. You'll see their names upon paint boxes. He made his little pile, retired at the age of 61... Bought a house at Lewisham and settled down to rest after a life of ceaseless grind. Oh, sounds a comfortable prospect. He retired in 1896. Early in 1897, he married a woman 20 years younger than himself. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes, good looking, too, if her photograph doesn't flatter. A competence, a wife, leisure. It looked like a straight road before him. Yet within two years, he's reduced to the broken and miserable creature you've just seen. But what's happened, Holmes? The old story, Watson. A treacherous friend and a fickle wife. It seems that Amberley has one hobby in his life. Chess. Not far from him at Lewisham, there lives a young doctor, Dr. Ray Ernest, who is also a chess player. Ernest was frequently in Amberley's house, and an intimacy between him and Amberley's wife was the result. That doesn't surprise me. Your client doesn't look like a paragon of the graces. Well, the couple went off together last week. Destination so far untraced. What's more, the woman carried off the old man's deed box by way of personal luggage. It had a good part of his life savings in it. Well, that's bad. So, Watson, can we find the lady? Can we save the money? That's a commonplace sort of case to bother you with, Holmes, isn't it? But vital enough for poor Josiah Amberley. Well, that's so. What will you do, then? What will you do, my dear Watson? Hey, If you will be good enough to understudy me, that is. Oh. You know how preoccupied I am with this case of the two Coptic patriarchs. It should come to a head today. No, I really haven't time to go out to Lewisham. And yet, evidence taken on the spot has a special value. Well, by all means, Holmes, I, I confess uh, I, I don't see that I can be of much service, but I'm willing to do my best. Capital. Oh, by the way, the name of his house is The Haven. The old fellow was quite insistent that I should go, but I explained my difficulty. He's quite prepared to meet a representative. I hardly expected so humble an individual as myself would merit the, the complete attention of so famous a man as Mr. Sherlock Holmes. 
especially after my heavy financial loss. I can assure you, Mr. Amberley, that the financial question does not arise. Uh, no, of course. Um, it's art for art's sake with him, I understand. Yes, yes. Still, even on the artistic side of crime, uh, he might have found something here to study. And human nature, Dr. Watson... Ah, the black ingratitude of it all. Mr. Amberley, Tell I... me, when did I ever refuse one of her requests? Was ever a woman so pampered? Mr. Amberley... And that young man, he might have been my own son, had the run of my house and see how they've treated me. Mr. Amberley, Oh, sir. it's a dreadful world. Dreadful, dreadful. Did you say something? I was merely going to point out that if you continue to wave your paintbrush about like that, it wouldn't be long before you did your clothing a mischief. But I'm afraid the damage is done. Oh, oh dear me. <laughs> you see how this business has distracted me. I'm in the middle of painting this hall. You seem surprised, Doctor. Mm. Uh, one must do something to ease an aching heart. I'd started painting the house only the day before... They disappeared. Uh, I thought I might as well carry on. Yes, very sensible indeed, Mr. Amberley. Uh, but pray, step into my sanctum, away from this paint smell. Thank you. Ah, yeah. That's better. Yes, yes, uh, pray take a seat. Thank you, sir. Uh, good. Now then, where shall I begin my account? Uh, with my retirement and marriage, perhaps. Oh, uh, not necessarily at all. Mr. Holmes merely requested certain details. Um, for example, the events of the actual evening of your wife's disappearance. Oh, how shall I ever forget them? To think that I'd prepared a special treat for the shameless creature. Treat? The Haymarket Theatre, the two upper circle seats. A gay evening, I thought. Perhaps a little supper somewhere. Mm -hmm. But no, she complained of a headache and refused to go. Uh, see here, I, I, I have it here. Her theatre ticket, uh, unused. Mm. Seat 31, row B. And then you had to go alone? I did. There I sat all through the performance, her empty seat beside me. And little did I realize what an ill omen it was. You returned to find her gone? Yeah, just so. But that was not all. Oh? Uh, you see this door? Uh, it's iron-painted to look like wood. Oh, yes. uh, it's my strong room. Uh, safe as a bank, I always thought. But not where she was concerned. Ah, yes, your deed box was taken, I believe. Deed box, cash, securities, about £7,000 worth. She must have had a duplicate key prepared. I see. I've heard no word from or about her since I left to go to the theatre that fateful evening, leaving her alone here with her headache. <laughs> Not one single word, Dr. Watson. And her seat number at the Haymarket Theatre was 31, you say, Watson? You're quite sure. <laughs> Positive. My old school number. Excellent. Then his own seat was either 30 or 32. Row B. Yes. Well, Watson, have you told me all? Well, I think so. Um... Oh, did I mention that he tore up a photograph of his wife in my presence? No. I never wish to see her damn face again, he cried. No doubt. Still, I fancy the loss of his money took precedence over the loss of his wife. Oh, without a doubt. But let us get down to what is practical. 
I must admit that a case which seemed to be so absurdly simple as to be hardly worth my notice is rapidly assuming a very different aspect. It's true that in your mission you've missed everything of importance. Oh. Yet even those things which have obtruded themselves upon your notice give rise to serious thought. What have I missed? Oh, don't be hurt, my dear fellow. No one else would have done better. Oh. But clearly you have missed some vital points. What do the neighbours think about Amberley and his wife? What of Dr. Ernest? Was he the gay Lothario one would expect? Surely these are of importance. Well... And with um... your natural advantages, Watson, every lady is your helper and accomplice. Oh. What about the girl at the post office? Or the greengrocer's wife? Or even the lady at the blue anchor? All this you've left undone. Well, it can still be done. It has been done. Thanks to the telephone and the help of Scotland Yard, I can usually get my essentials without leaving this room. As a matter of fact, my information confirms Amberley's own story. He has the local reputation of being a miser, as well as a harsh and exacting husband. It's also certain that he had a large sum of money in that strong room. Well, then. And it's common gossip that young Dr. Ernest played chess with Amberley and probably played the fool with his wife. It all seems plain sailing. And yet... And yet... Where's the difficulty? Oh, in, in my imagination, perhaps. Well, leave it there, Watson. Let us escape from this weary workaday world by the side door of music. Karina sings tonight at the Albert Hall. We still have time to dress, dine, and enjoy. The next morning, I was up early, but found a note from Holmes on the breakfast table telling me that he'd gone to Lewisham to see Amberley and that he hoped to be back by three o'clock. Ah, Holmes, there you are. Punctual to the minute. Well... What news? Has Amberley been here yet? Amberley? Um, uh, no. I'm expecting him. Oh, come in. Uh, yes, Mrs. Hudson? There's a Mr. Amberley to see you, sir. Ah, show him in, Mrs. Hudson. Very good, sir. In here, if you please, sir. Mr. Josiah Amberley. Ah, oh, please step inside, sir. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Very good, sir. Uh, Mr. Holmes... I've had a telegram. I I could make nothing of it. Uh, may I see it? Thank you. Come at once without fail. Can give you information as to your recent loss. Elman, the vicarage. Ah. Dispatched at 1210 from Little Purlington. Oh, Watson, hand down my Crockford's directory, if you please. Right, Holmes. Little Purlington's in... Essex, isn't it? Uh, it's not far from Frinton. Uh, ah, here you are. Oh, thank you. Now then, E, 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 L, L, Elman. Yes, here we have him. J.C. Elman, M.A., living of Mossmore come Little Purlington. Well, Mr. Amberley, you must start at once. But I don't understand. Will you look up a train for our friend, Watson? Yes, I am doing. Good fellow. Uh, Mr. Holmes, will you kindly tell me? Liverpool Street 520, Holmes. Excellent. You'd best go with Mr. Amberley Watson. Why, don't He may need help or advice. 
It's clear we've come to a crisis in this affair. But it's perfectly absurd, Mr. Holmes. What can this country vicar possibly know of what's occurred? It's a waste of time and money. He wouldn't have telegraphed you if he didn't know something. You should wire him at once that you're coming. I don't think I shall go. Mr. Amberley, it would make the worst possible impression both on the police and upon myself if you should refuse to follow up so obvious a clue. We should feel that you were not really in earnest in this investigation. I, I, I... Well, of course I'll go... If you look at it that way, uh, on the face of it, it seems absurd to suppose that this uh, parcel knows anything. But if you think... I uh, do think. Oh. Now, hurry along, sir. And Dr. Watson will catch you up at the telegraph office at the corner. Oh, very well, then. A waste of time and money, in my opinion. Pouring money down the drain. Watson, mm-hmm. whatever you do, see that he really does go. If he breaks away from you or decides to return, get to the nearest telegraph office and send the single word, bolted. I'll arrange here that it shall reach me wherever I am. The weather was hot, the train slow, and my companion sullen and silent. When we at last reached Little Purlington Station, it was a two-mile drive before we came to the vicarage, where a big, solemn, rather pompous clergyman received us up in his study. Our telegram lay before him. Well, gentlemen, what can I do for you? We came in answer to your wire, Mr. Elman. My wire? I sent no telegraphic communication. I mean the one you sent to Mr. Josiah Amberley about his wife and his money. If this is a joke, sir, it is a very questionable one. I have never heard of the gentleman you name, and I have not sent a telegram to anyone. (laughs) I knew it would be a fool's errand. Well, there must be some mistake... Are there two vicarages, perhaps? There is only one vicarage, sir, and only one vicar. The telegram you refer to is obviously a scandalous forgery, the origin of which will certainly be investigated by the police. Meanwhile, gentlemen, I can see no possible object in prolonging this interview. Hello? Hello? Oh, Holmes, is that you, Holmes? Yes, Watson. Ah. How are things proceeding? Well, they aren't, Holmes. The, the vicar never sent any such wire. He was very annoyed. Holmes, are, are, are you there? Most singular. Uh? Most remarkable. What? I very much fear, my dear Watson, that there is no return train tonight. What? I have unwittingly condemned you to the horrors of a country inn. Oh, dear. Oh, however, there's always nature, Watson. What? Nature and Josiah Emberley. Oh. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Holmes. Don't mention it, my dear fellow. Good night. Good night. Well, what did he say? He said it was a most remarkable business. Remarkable? I should prefer the word expensive. Our railway fare. Third class. Why pay more? And now a hotel bill. It's monstrous. Monstrous. I shall have a word to say to Mr. Sherlock Holmes tomorrow. Oh, very well, sir. We'll drive directly to Baker Street from this station tomorrow. And now we better make arrangements for tonight. I warned Holmes by telegram of the time of our arrival at Baker Street next day. But when we got there, we found a message to say that he was at Lewisham and would expect us there. This was a surprise to me, but an even greater one was to find that Holmes was not alone at Amberley's house. In the sitting room, a stern-looking, well-built man sat beside him. A dark, heavily-moustached man 
wearing tinted sunglasses and sporting a large Masonic pin in his tie. Ah, gentlemen, allow me to introduce my friend, Mr. Barker. Mr. Amberley, uh, Dr. Watson. How do you do? Please meet you. Uh, Mr. Barker has been interesting himself in your business too, Mr. Amberley. We've been working um, independently of one another, you understand. But we both have the same question to ask you. Uh, uh, question? What question, Mr. Holmes? What did you do with the bodies? Great. No! No! Get hold of him, Watson. Parker. No, you shan't make me answer. You shan't. He's trying to swallow something. Stop him. Right. Get hold of him. No, let me be. Hold Well done, Barker. No shortcuts, Amberley. Things must be done decently and in order. Yeah, I have a cab at the door. I may as well take him straight to the police station. Shall I tell the inspector that you'll be coming along? He'll want to examine this house sooner or later. I fancy he won't object to meeting me here. Very well. I'll come back with him. Now, come on, you. Uh, and any more nonsense, and I'll have your arm out of it. Suckle. <laughs> well, that was a near thing, Holmes. It was a poison capsule. Look. Ah. Hmm. Holmes, this... Uh, Barker. Oh, the... my hated rival upon the Surrey shore. Ah. <laughs> His methods are irregular like my own. We irregulars are useful sometimes, you know. <laughs> well, Holmes, let's hear what it's all about, eh? All in good time, my dear Watson. The inspector will be along shortly for the same account. In the meantime, I shall enjoy a few minutes quiet smoke. I just want to make this clear before you begin, Mr. Holmes. Uh, uh, don't imagine that we hadn't formed our own views of this case and that we wouldn't have laid our hands on the man. Uh, so you'll excuse us for feeling sore when you jump in with methods which we can't use and so rob us of the credit. There shall be no such robbery, Inspector McKinnon. Oh. I assure you that I efface myself from now on. Oh. As to Mr. Barker here, he has done nothing save what I told him. That's quite correct. Ah, ah, well, that's uh, very handsome of you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, praise or blame can matter little to you, but it's different for the police when the newspapers start asking questions. Uh, quite so. But when an intelligent and enterprising reporter asks you what the exact points were which aroused your suspicion and finally gave you a certain conviction as to the real fact, uh, well, uh, well, we don't seem to have got any real facts yet. No? Uh, what facts have you? Have you arranged for a search? Uh, there are two constables on their way. Then you'll soon get the clearest fact of all. Huh? The bodies cannot be far away. Try the cellars and the gardens. It shouldn't take long to dig up the likely places. This house is older than its water pipes, so there must be a disused well somewhere. Yes. Try your luck there. Uh, but but how did you know there'd been murder? Yes, Holmes, how was it done? Well, I'll show you first how it was done, Inspector. And then I'll give the explanation which is due to you and even more to my long-suffering friend, Dr. Watson, who has been invaluable throughout. Oh, I say, Holmes. <laughs> but first, I'd like you to consider this man Amberley's mentality. Mm. It's a very unusual one. So much so that I think his destination is more likely to be 
Broadmoor than the scaffold. Is that so? Uh, go on, then. He has, to a high degree, the sort of mind one associates with the medieval Italian nature, rather than with the modern Britain. He was a miserable miser who made his wife so wretched by his niggardly ways that she was a ready prey for any adventurer. Such a one came upon the scene in the person of this chess-playing doctor. Emberley mm -hmm. excelled at chess, one indication, Watson, of a scheming mind. <laughs> like all misers, he was a jealous man, and his jealousy became a frantic mania. Rightly or wrongly, he suspected an intrigue. He determined to have his revenge, and he planned it with diabolical cleverness. Have a look here. This is his so-called strong room. Oh, what an awful smell of paint. That was our first clue. You can thank Dr. Watson's observation for that, though he failed to draw the inference. It set my foot on the trail. I still don't understand, Holmes. Well, ask yourself, Watson. Why should this man at such a time be filling his house with strong odors? Obviously, to cover some other smell which he wished to conceal. Some guilty smell which might excite suspicions. And you mean uh, decomposition? There hasn't been... No, 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 no. Nothing of that sort. Then came the idea of a room such as you see here with a sealed iron door. Put the two facts together. And where do they lead? Uh, well, blessed if I know. No. Uh, me too. Oh, well, let it pass for now. I was already certain that the case was serious because I had examined the box office chart at the Haymarket Theatre, another of Dr. Watson's bullseyes. <laughs> it showed that neither of the two seats, B30 nor 32 of the upper circle, had been occupied on the night in question. Well, he lied. I mean, he, he never went to the theatre. And so his alibi fell to the ground. He made a bad slip when he showed you his wife's unused ticket, Watson. Yes. The only way I could satisfy my suspicions about the smell of paint and the existence of the sealed room was to examine the house myself. The question was, how was I to achieve this? I know that... Now I see it. Yes, Watson. I sent an agent to the most impossibly remote village I could think of and summoned Amberley to go there at such an hour that he couldn't possibly get back the same day. <laughs> and sent me with him to make sure he really went. At the good vicar's name, I simply got out of my Crockford's directory. <laughs> oh, oh, masterly, brilliant. <laughs> there being no fear of interruption, I proceeded to burgle the house. Uh, I... Burglary has always been an alternative profession if I'd cared to adopt it. And I've little doubt that I should have reached the front rank. <laughs> oh, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> anyway, see what I found. Now then, you see this gas pipe along the skirting board here? Yes. Yeah. Very good. It rises in the angle of the wall, and there's a tap in the corner. Now, follow me into the strong room. You see that plaster rose in the center of the ceiling. Yes. Well, the pipe finishes there with an open end. Oh, yes. At any moment, by turning the outside tap, this room could be flooded with gas. Oh. With its door closed and the tap full on, I wouldn't give two minutes of consciousness to anyone shut in here. Oh. By what devilish device he decoyed them in here, I don't know. 
But once inside, they were at his mercy. Oh, uh, I think I've seen enough of this place. Yes. Let's get out of here. So he started painting the house to cover up any smell of gas afterwards, Holmes. Precisely. He claims to have started painting the day before their disappearance, but he should have said the day after. Ah. ah. Uh, well, uh, what happened then? Then came an incident which I hardly expected. I was slipping out again through the pantry window in the early dawn today, and I felt a hand grab my collar, and a voice said, Now, you rascal, what have you been doing in there? When I could twist my head round, I recognized my friend and rival, Mr. Barker. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, just where do you come into this, Mr. Barker? Well, I see, I'd, uh, I've been engaged by the family of Dr. Ray Ernest to make some investigations. I'd come to the conclusion there'd be foul play, like Mr. Holmes. Uh-huh. I've been watching this house for several days. I'd uh, mark you down, Dr. Watson, as one of the most suspicious characters to visit the place. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, sir. Still, I could hardly detain you. But when I saw a man actually climbing out of the pantry window this morning, I couldn't restrain myself. And there you are, Inspector. You have all the particulars. I hand them over to you and step right out of the case. Uh, Well, uh, in the name of the force, I thank you, Mr. Holmes, sir. It seems a clear case, the way you put it. You'll get results, Inspector, Mm. by always putting yourself in the other fellow's place and thinking what you would do yourself. It takes some imagination, but it pays. Mm. Holmes, what about the missing money and the securities? Oh, they'll be found in some safe place where Amberley hid them. Mm. There was no robbery. Ah, well, you've met every point, Holmes. There's only one last thing puzzles me. Yes? Well, Amberley couldn't avoid notifying the police of his wife's so-called disappearance, but why was he fool enough to go to you as well? Ah, pure swank. He felt so clever and so sure of himself that he imagined no one could touch him. He could say to any suspicious neighbour, look at the steps I've taken. I've consulted not only the police... But even Sherlock Holmes. Oh, well, I'll have to forgive you that uh, even Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes, it's as workmanlike a job as I can remember. That was The Retired Colour Man by Michael Hardwick, based on the short story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes was played by Carlton Hobbs and Dr. Watson by Norman Shelley. Production for the BBC was by Graham Gold.